0: Banks and credit unions want very much to be their customer's primary financial source, their go-to advisors. Key to achieving this is making a strong and lasting connection. Anson Vuong, managing partner at Gallup, is our podcast guest this week. He'll be highlighting recent Gallup research that finds such a connection is more about emotion than about products or convenience. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the Managing Editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. It's one of the most important questions for a bank or credit union. How do we better connect with our customers? Our guest on this week's BAI Banking Strategies podcast is Anson Vuong, managing partner at Gallup. His company has done some recent survey work that suggests many financial services providers may be underplaying the emotional side of making that connection. So Anson, appreciate you being with us.
1: Hey, Terry. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So your recent study focuses on financial services providers differentiating themselves in the market based on how well they tap into the emotional economy. So what? is the emotional economy and why is this an economy that should be of interest to or importance to banks and credit unions?
1: Yeah, Terry, important question. So the emotional economy is a premise where actually we decide as a leadership group that people are not rational, that they're more emotional in their decision making and base most of their things related to who they shop with, who they buy with, who they provide their loyalty to based on their emotional attachment to those organizations and less of their rational attachment to those organizations. In fact, one of our senior scientists, Daniel Kahneman, won a Nobel Prize around human decision-making and found that, in fact, 30% of decision-making is made rationally. So for banks and credit unions, that can be products, rates, services, location, convenience, and 70% emotionally. Things related to the brand, related to the trusted advice that they provide, related to the empathy that's given to them in their service experience. And so most organizations we know spend a lot of time, money and attention on the 30%. And where Gallup works a lot with a lot of organizations on how to play the 70% as well. And so I'm not saying that 30% is not important, but the real unlock is the ability to actually differentiate and drive market edge based on emotional attachment, just not on rational uh, attachment. And this is really important to banks and credit unions, as you would imagine, because the services are fairly homogenous, right? A checking account, a checking account, a savings account, a saving account. Most branches are pretty much the same. Most digital platforms are more same than different. And so really where the differentiating comes in is really the ability to connect with your customers in a different way emotionally.
0: So your work on this theme, the distinction between the classic economy. Economy and the emotional economy. In terms of engagement, you also distinguish between a customer's financial health and their financial well being. So, how should we think about the differences between health and well being in this context and maybe the overlap between them as well? They have similarities too, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that Gallup study is overall well-being. One of the key dimensions in well-being is financial well-being. And just like a person would have emotional relationship with a specific bank or credit union, they also have an emotional relationship with their money as well. And so the, most people conflate financial health and financial well-being as being the same. They're actually much different. In our work, in our study, in our research, we find that financial health is much more about the current state of your money. So it's about your money where financial well-being is your emotional relationship with your money. And it's very commentary to see that folks that have actually high income actually have really low financial well being and vice versa. Uh, So you could all probably know, like, for example, lotto winners who win the lotto and recite back that they were actually much happier before they won the lotto. It's because their emotional relationship with money has changed, not just their financial P&L. And so the more we can understand that as an industry, the more we can actually help our customers and understand them better and provide them the right products and services that meets their emotional financial well being needs, not just their financial health
0: needs. Now that we've sort of done the level set, what would you say are the key high-level findings
1: from your financial services study? Yeah, really three big things, Terry. One would be that as when we asked the question... Does your bank or credit union looks out for your financial well-being? And they are able to answer that question on a scale of one to five, where one is strongly disagree and five strongly agree. Only 46% of credit union members can say that they agree to that, and only 25% of bank customers can say they agree to that. And so those are pretty low numbers, if you would imagine compared to all the marketing and advertising around financial lives and planning and things like that. We also know through our study that banks are actually starting to close the gap and so as much as there's a big gap between a bank and a credit union, for example, on this specific metric, banks are making big ground on credit unions related to that. The second big thing is that what we found is that we know that when we think about financial well-being, there are certain high leverage moments that just happen more in person than in the digital Platforms And so when we think about financial well-being and where that influences the most, we see that actually having the highest influence within high-stake interactions inside human channels. And the third thing we found is that one of those high-stake interactions is actually around digital awareness and adoption, ironically. What we find is that for customers and members to understand digital offerings be aware of them and understand how to use them. It actually takes human intervention to do that well. And one of those high stake moments is helping them understand how they can reduce worry in their financials and increase confidence using digital tools and that happens in in in-person channel.
0: So what are the indicators or the behaviors that you look for to gauge how well a bank or credit union may be emotionally engaging with their customer base? And how well do you think the industry as a whole is doing? Are they doing a good job of looking out for their customers' financial well-being, the emotional side?
1: Yeah. So the first thing we would look at is I'd ask them, what are you measuring? What you measure is what you manage. And a lot of banks and credit unions, I would call ask very self-serving questions like, will you recommend me? Are you my primary financial institution? Do you plan to conduct more products and services with me, for example? And a lot of the OECs, the best organization asks mostly about their customers, actually, right? Are you proud? to be a customer with me? Do we deliver on your promises? Am I a perfect institution for someone like you? And do I look out for your financial well-being? And so the first piece we need to know is if you're not measuring emotional attachment, you should, because that is, again, the biggest differentiation, and you should know where you are benchmarked against that and how you manage towards that. The second thing I would say we look at is where's your change management focused? Is it at an organizational level based on averages, or is it at the local level based on variation? And we know when we think about change management, we know that we need to do three things in these human channels really well, right? We need to know we need to solve complex problems. We know we need to give trusted advice and needs and really understand the person behind the customer in terms of that advice. And we need to be a digital expert, not just a digital advocate, but a digital expert.
0: Making and nurturing this emotional connection with customers. I mean, it makes sense from a relationship standpoint. What's the potential payoff for banks and credit unions if they do make this connection? And what's the potential risk to them if they don't?
1: Yeah, we know, Terry, that losing centrality on the basis of emotion will erode your primacy as a bank or credit union, meaning that over time, your customers and members will start to attract in slow ways and move certain high margin products and services to other institutions instead of you. And so we know that when we think about emotional connection this is not meant to be let's just drive a warm fuzzy feeling inside people's stomach for the sake of doing that but it actually results in real business outcomes we know for example that those that are emotionally attached compared to those are not are 39 more percent more likely to sign up for new services 49 percent more likely to increase balances 32% more likely to obtain financial advice and much higher to advocate for you as a promoter on NPS than if not. This emotional economy or this emotional currency really begins, like I mentioned before, really the substance of your market edge and long term differentiation, something really to focus on from a business output standpoint as well.
0: We often hear that banking should look to other industries for insights on how to make that lasting connection with their customers. Retail is the industry whose name often comes up. Do you think that there may be another industry that would work as a
1: better model for the banks? I don't think there's a better industry. I think there's been a lot of Terry false comparisons. And so what I mean by that is good service is relative to the industry you're in and thereby what your customers expect for that category. And so it's a false premise to take one industry's definition of success and just apply it to yours. And so what we see for us a lot of is that, for example, banks got into this big feel around, well, let's give customers hotel hospitality experience in their branches. It just wasn't not successful. You're not a store, you're not a hotel, and you're not a coffee shop. You're an institution where customers come to you thinking that you are going to help them be better financially. And when you don't do that, that's poor service. And so again, when you think about helping people be better financially, it all starts with their emotions towards their money. And the better understanding of that thereby gives you better service and thereby gives you bigger differentiation. And like I mentioned before in the last question, more products, more services, more primacy.
0: So Anson, without getting into naming names, is there a type of bank or a size of bank or some other attribute that stands to give certain banks and credit unions an inherent edge or that creates an
1: inherent disadvantage
0: in being able to successfully tap into the emotional economy?
1: Yeah, good question, Terry. You know, what we see is that although size, can be corollary to engagement, that the biggest factor that we see is those organizations who can manage their experience closest to the local level, meaning what does that employee-customer interaction look like on the contact center, inside the branches, on the phone, for example, or even when they log into online banking or get on their phone within the mobile app, is to say, what does that experience really look like and understand that variation? I would say that is probably the biggest prediction difference in separating and sorting great financial institutions versus not on an engagement. Now, we do see in our data that, of course, the smaller the bank you are or a credit union, the more likely you are able to manage the local level, just less complexity in doing that based on the operations. And so we do see, for example, that credit unions do a lot better on customer engagement than, for example, than banks do. However, there's humongous range within there. We know that there's credit unions that look like national banks on customer engagement. And we know that there are banks that look like credit unions on customer engagement. And so As much as there are different data points that make up that average, just to know there's a huge range within there. And we know, for example, that the lowest bank that we see in our database on customer engagement is actually a regional bank, not a national bank. And that's surprising to a lot of people, but kind of exemplifies this huge range that exists and how different banks are actually and credit unions are actually really differentiating on, on this, no matter what size they are.
0: Based on your findings, how much do you think the ability or the inability to achieve that high level of engagement with customers can be traced back to institutional culture? Or do you think it's more connected to strategy or priority or something else?
1: I think it's both, Terry. I think it first starts with the leadership And the leader's premise we know at gallup we have a saying at gallup as a leader you better get your premise right because if not the more you lead the worse things get and we know that a lot of bank leaders premise is satisfaction that rational economy not the emotional economy we also know that a lot of leadership's premise is averages not local variability we also know that a lot of leadership's premise is financial health not financial well being we know a lot of leadership's premise, for example, is, is about what the customer is doing for you and the metrics that they track versus what you do for them. And so it first starts with, again, from a strategy standpoint and a decision-making standpoint, how are we making decisions at a leadership group from the voice of the customer? And are we sure that we have the right premise to start with in the first place? And then, of course, as you talked about, Terry, it's culture. And so... I've talked to a lot of organizations around customer experience, and one thing I know for a fact that everyone has a CX strategy. Everyone has journey maps. Everyone has segmentation. But most really over-index on design of the customer experience and really under-index on culture activation. And culture activation is where it all fails. If you're going to do digital transformation and you can't get the culture to actually that and driving awareness and adoption at a local level as a digital expert, it doesn't matter how good your app is. And so when we work with organizations, we really focus on how do you actually drive that cultural enablement towards the customer experience? And what does that look like on a local variability standpoint, and are are making sure that that's based on the emotional economy,
0: this change in focus that you're advocating based on your survey results from financial health centered around the right products to financial well-being, which is more in tune with people's worries and their dreams. Are banks and credit unions staffed with the right people to
1: make that sort of shift? I think yes and no. Let me start with the no first. I think there's, of course, an innate talent that people have around being able to have complex conversations with customers in a needs-based, future-oriented way. But those, as you would imagine, aren't easy to train and you need to hire from them. But at the same time, why I say yes and no, the yes part of that is when we look into our surveys and just even ask the customer, did the person you were interacting with even asked about your needs, the answer is most of the time, no. And so it's not even about the talent in most places. It's really about the expectation to have these types of conversations, the mindset. This is what good service looks like. And these are the cues and clues that we as individuals need to be looking at when we talk and have discussions with our customers about. And so I just think in the first place, the low-hanging fruit here is really around just setting the expectations and without even changing a single person on staff. I think banks and credit unions could have a huge lift with just understanding that.
0: That notion of connection, of engaging with the customer base, how is that changing as more and more of banking migrates toward digital and away from face-to-face interactions?
1: Yeah, we know, of course, and banks have tried to drive this, is to get these, I would call it low-stake interactions like deposits and balance checks out of the high-cost channels and into low-cost digital channels. And that has been going on for years, right, even before COVID-19. However, what's left over? What's left over? Why are still people using the branch? So as much as we've seen in our data shift towards digital adoption and migration, we still see these human channels still being used and used often. But they're used for different things. They're used what we find for high stakes interactions. Meaning they're specifically there, if they're coming in person, it's a big deal that they're coming. And typically it's around three things. One would be they're trying to solve a complex problem they couldn't do on their own. Two, they're looking to get advice in a trusted way. And three, they're looking to get better education and awareness around digital services. And so those three things around solving complex problems, being a trusted advisor and being a digital expert are seen as high leverage moments that banks and credit unions really need to pay attention to as to why customers are coming in to these human channels. And what we would say at Gallup is you have less at-bats with customers today to delight them. So your batting average better be excellent. And those banks and credit unions that drive a great customer experience can hit for average across those three dimensions.
0: Changing culture, that's a huge undertaking, likewise, strategy and staffing, although maybe that could be done a bit quicker. Is there something that banks and credit unions could do incrementally to make stronger emotional connection with their customers? And if so, would it be worth doing? And what might it look like? And where might be the best place to begin?
1: It's definitely worth doing. I would say it's really three things in terms of where you organizations could start. First, look what you're measuring. Consider what you're measuring as the mindset or the premise of your customer experience and how does that need to change? How can we build in more customer-centric metrics to better understand the emotional economy and what every channel needs to contribute from a key driver standpoint for that emotional connection? The second piece I would say is you've got to build governance around these metrics. Let's not measure things just to measure them, right? A lot of of these organizations that we work with measure things, and it goes into a black box around actionability. And so what we say is you've got to build governance around this in terms of who's looking at the data, what's the closed loop process on this data, who's accountable for it, and how are we making changes proactively based on the data. And the last piece is to activate the local culture, especially the manager. We know at Gallup that 70% of the variance is at the manager level, and we need to make sure that, again, that if we're going to drive anything intentional around the customer experience, it's starts with that local variability and reducing that. And the manager is the biggest proponent of doing that for organizations. And so we need to set what the coaching expectations are around the customer experience for that manager on an ongoing basis to drive that.
0: Well, if that much success variance is tied to the local manager level, it does make a strong argument to first focus more effort and resources there. So Anson Vuong from Gallup, thanks again for your insights on how banks and credit unions can better connect with their customers by focusing more on their financial well-being.
1: Thanks, Terry. Appreciate it.
0: A few quick takeaways from our conversation with Anson Vuong from Gallup. First, Gallup believes many banks and credit unions miss out on connecting more deeply with their customers because their approaches focus more on offering products and services and convenience and less about creating that emotional connection as a trusted advisor. That trusted advisor status is important because the behavioral research shows 70% of consumer decision making is based on emotional considerations. For any given bank or credit union, long-term viability may be at stake here. Creating an emotional connection can help an institution keep a central position in their customer's financial world. Centrality can lead to customers seeking more advice and services and talking you up in the marketplace. Losing centrality, Anson says, can lead to steady erosion in importance as customers move their higher margin needs to a competing provider. And finally, The COVID-related acceleration in digital banking stands to make that emotional connection more vital and at the same time, more difficult to achieve. Anson expresses it in baseball terms. With fewer person-to-person interactions, banks and credit unions have fewer at-bats to delight their customers and thus establish that emotional connection. As a result, they have to hit for high average in those opportunities that they get. Thanks for being with us for this week's BAI Banking Strategies Podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor of BAI. Please join us again next week for another conversation on an important issue for the financial services industry.